Uh, we're on Facebook Live. You can check it out. Facebook Live, uh, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. And Eric Liji is here. He is described to us as an archivist who has been paying very careful attention to both the uh, past and recent history of the Jewish community of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Eric, thank you so much for being here this morning. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. So pre-1027, pre what happened last year, uh, how were you spending your time in regard to the uh, in regard to Jewish history and archives? How were you? What were you doing at that time? Yeah, so the archives was reactive. You got a phone call. Somebody said they had some things. You'd go and look at them. You'd get a sense if they were appropriate for the archives. Talk to the person. It was very slow and deliberate. And, and Where all. are these archives? The Jewish Archives is located at the Heinz History Center, which is down in the Strip District. And it's interesting. There's a, there's a rich, long, deep history in this community. So I'm, uh, I'm assuming that as people, I don't know, discover things in their home or move around or, or find artifacts or interesting uh, newspaper clippings, etc., those would be the types of cases you'd get. Those would be the types of things you'd be called about, right? Yeah, there's been continuous Jewish settlement in Pittsburgh since 1838. Right. And there's been Jewish presence since about 1755. And it's all fair game. Pittsburgh's also a key, remind me, now I have to go back to my own Jewish history courses. Was it called the Pittsburgh Platform? Right. Was, is that, oh, wow, what year was that? It was 1885. I am shocked. I remember that. <laughs> and that was a significant gathering in the history of Reform, Reform, Judaism. Reform Judaism. Yeah. And uh, so that happened in the late 1800s. So Pittsburgh does have a rich Jewish history and a tremendous uh, community here. D- d- does your job, I mean, I'm, I'm, now wondering, after the attack took place last year and this terrible massacre occurred, uh, how did your position as an archivist adjust? What were you asked to do? Well, the archive had been given the responsibility of preserving documentation of a major historical event in Pittsburgh history, in Jewish history, in American history. And so we started doing field gathering, and that meant going to every single event we could and collecting the programs, the speeches, the flyers. The way I think about it is, look out at the world, anything that you see that probably would not exist if not for this, we want a copy of it. Does this make it in? <laughs> we have a lot of copies of that. He's pointing <laughs> to the Stronger Than Hate yes. logo. <laughs> well, people on Facebook see what I'm okay. pointing to, but, but the audio people, you're right, we should let them know. The Stronger Than Hate logo became a certainly a national symbol, if not international, right? Yeah, and continues to make appearances in various forms. Yeah. Give me an example. Well, if you want to, if, if, you're, if you're online, go on eBay and just type Stronger Than Hate, and you'll see all of these sort of makeshift shirts that are not licensed or sanctioned by anyone. It's just people kind of using the logo and using the slogan. Interesting. Yeah. And, and of course, this was, uh, this was the symbol on the, on the, on the uh, cleats of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Or yeah. This was the one? A, a version of it, yeah. Does, do you get access to the, uh, to the shoe or not? We tried <laughs> to get the cleats. We weren't able to. Really? We've gotten other things. Um, there was a patch that the P- Pittsburgh Penguins had made. So the Pittsburgh Penguins logo is sort of triangular shaped. Right. So they stuck another triangle on it to make a mug and it out of it. So we got one of those. Interesting. Yeah. What other uh, interesting items are there? I never even thought of the programs and all the yeah. different flyers that are associated with the events post the tragedy. And, and any, other, uh, any other items, of uh, cool items you could tell us about? Well, the thing that people seem to be most interested in are the memorial objects. So there, first of all, was a large spontaneous memorial that appeared right. outside of the synagogue. 
at uh, at the corner of Shady and Wilkins. There's actually a second one down at Murray and Wilkins. Mostly flowers, um, drawings by children, candles. Actually, the thing that there were the most of were stones. Uh, probably 2,000 stones were left on that site. And right now, they're all, um, we brought them all inside. We laid them out on butcher paper so that they would dry out. And right now, they're still inside the synagogue. Um, if you ever are at the synagogue, there's a little memorial in the window. And all those things came out of that memorial that was on the right. side yeah, there. We spoke about that earlier. Interesting. But then in the weeks since, you know, in the months since, people have just sent hundreds and hundreds of things to the three congregations, to the families, to every Jewish organization in the city. And so we're in the process right now of digitizing all that and cataloging it and trying to make it available to people. Wow. Uh, and are these, uh, is it available to the public in terms of viewing? Could someone go to the Heinz Center and actually see these items? Or not, not yet. Uh, right now we've been working with the organizations and the congregations for them to loan the stuff to us just so that we can get some documentation of it. The archives in general move a lot slower than life. Right. The archives right now are moving at archival light speed, <laughs> which is still much slower than public demand. <laughs> I'm sure any historian out there could appreciate that. Right. Um, I hate to ask the, the, the morbid question, but we know the nature of what happened a year ago. Uh, there are likely items available, I would assume, uh, that I guess are designated as part of a crime scene, but would have a tremendous impact emotionally on the Jewish world and the world in general if they would be part of an archive like that on display. Is, it, is that too sensitive a topic to discuss now, or have you had any type of access to those types of items? No, I, it's not too sensitive. Um, so, yeah, the whole point of an archive or a museum is that you save things that have some level of story or emotion embedded in them. Mm -hmm. um, we embed that, humans, we embed that in the objects. And the things that you're talking about, things that have been damaged by those bullets, um, they do have a lot of power. They're also sensitive. So we've told the powers that be that if they feel it's appropriate, we're, we're ready the second they call. And if they want to have a conversation to figure out if they're ready, we'll have that conversation. And if they're not, we'll respect them. And has any of that happened yet? or it's, uh, I mean, over the past year, we've had a lot of conversations about things like that, yeah. Right, I can imagine. And I'm sure that things are being used as evidence, right? Things are, 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 are being encouraged by religious authorities at times to be buried and dealt with properly and not be archived. And all those sensitive issues come to play. I'm sure some of that gets outside of what they put on the shoulders of an archivist, but right. yes. Yes, we have to deal with all that. Um, Eric Leegee's with us. He's an archivist who's dealing with the uh, aftermath of the massacre of last year. Um, how would you say from your perspective with all the programs and flyers and things that you've seen, the Jewish community reacted here in Pittsburgh to what happened last year? How would you evaluate it based on the amount of stuff, amount of things that you've collected from all these different people in, in reflection of all these different events that have taken place? Every way humans are capable of reacting, we've reacted. There's been sadness. There's been anger. There has been um, resiliency. There's been unity. There have been difficult conversations. All of those things that happen anywhere else happen here. Um, yeah. Am I right that the President of the United States visited here after the massacre? He did on the Tuesday after. Would, would some of the things that happened or that were part of that ceremony make it into your archives? Well, there was no ceremony. He came to uh, the synagogue, to Tree of Life. He laid something on one of the stars that had been placed there. Um, 
I suppose somebody could analyze the photographs and zoom in really right. close and try and figure out what it is. But for the most part, those have become anonymized. They're just the same as everybody else's. Right. And photos of him and his wife or whoever he toured the area with being here would be something that would make it into an exhibit like this or not? Well, we've archived um, every local news article that's been written. and About the massacre. Yeah. And so a lot of those include those photographs, yeah. Wow. It must be just an unbelievable collection of, of, of things. I mean, just a, it's a, a, lot a of tremendous material. number. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, you know, the collecting is one thing and then making it so that it's usable is the next challenge. So that's what I've been doing since the first year, since October 27th of this year. What I've been doing is going back over the last year and making sure that we covered all the ground we should cover and making sure it makes sense. I think you're doing important and vital work, which <laughs> not that you need my <laughs> not that you need my endorsement, but I think this is so important for the uh, for everybody who's going to be able to to include these images and these and these exhibit pieces in their lives when they see them up close and personal and remember what happened a year ago here in Pittsburgh. Right, it's also an opportunity for our community to tell our own story because an event like this is so big that it immediately becomes symbolic on a national and international level. And that national and international story has a way of drowning out the local story. And so this is an opportunity for Pittsburgh to put all the things that it thinks is important on the other side of that scale so that it bounces out a little bit. Phenomenal, Eric. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having a me. A real pleasure. Eric Leegee, who is the archivist responsible for, uh, what, for what is going to be preserved uh, both from during and the aftermath of this uh, terrible episode of a year ago. More coming up. You are listening to JM in the AM as we continue from Pittsburgh's JCC, where everyone is welcome. You'll see the sign outside when you visit here, and you'll see it. The JCC in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is JM in the AM.